Hey everybody, welcome to the Hyrith and Other Words podcast. This is your host, Timothy Mangle, and this week we're doing something uh, a little special. We're going to do a crossover episode with my buddy Mark Dillon of the Looming in the Numinous podcast. Um, I met Mark when I was a missionary overseas, and uh, we did some schooling together that we'll talk about a little bit. And um, we both moved back to the States. Mark's originally from Idaho and lives out in Oregon. So when I was living out there, we had a chance to uh, meet up and talk about what it was like to be life uh, post-missionary and all these things. Um, But yeah, this is not going to be the last of these crossover episodes with Mark. He's a dear friend of mine. So yeah, we're going to be doing this a bunch. Um, The audio quality isn't as great as we would hope it would be, but hey, it was our first time doing it over Skype, so we did the best that we could could do. Um, Yeah, anyways, let's just dive into this. Yeah, uh, sure. (laughs) We're doing great. Is this good content? That's that's one thing about you and I that I've always appreciated about our like conversations is mm-hmm. that we'll, we'll just throw out words that like sound correct but not might be correct by definition. <laughs> or it's like, yeah, I know what you mean. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm picking up what you're putting down. That's all that matters. Well, I mean, yeah. let's let's dive right into it because what are words other than symbols, right? Um, yeah, and I think Paul Tillich says that right. Just words. Words are kind of this interim thing between what I'm experiencing and what reality is. And we need this thing to be able to quantify it and be like, that thing is a, for some reason, I always think of a stop sign because that was one of, I think he was, that was an example he used, or that was an example that I used after reading one of his books. Cause yeah, yeah, a stop sign. I'm actually looking at one right down the street and it's amazing because it's just this thing that it just, it's a, it's an octagon. It has, or an oct- octang, I don't know. There's the thing that That's we were just talking about. Yeah, you got it right. <laughs> yeah. And, Here's your star. <laughs> but it, it, it's so much more than that, right? It's, there's laws around it. There's, you know, ideas if you have to stop, like you have yeah. to look both ways. Like it gives more than just like a stop sign, you know? Well, you know, you know, what the whole thing about symbols and signs is, and like, kind of to jump on that with keep it traffic wise. But I always think about it like just driving down like a two lane road, you know, and you have the double yellow line which you're not supposed to cross over. But there's literally nothing by the laws of physics stopping you from crossing that line or going mm-hmm. off the white line and the bike lane just going off into the cornfield or whatever you're driving by. There's right. nothing stopping you from going outside the lines. Except That's your right. own like cognitive choice to be like, that thing is keeping me here. Yeah. And, yeah. And uh, that just makes me think too, just, uh, I can't remember who the, the scholar is, but he talked about like um, spaces and places. Mm-hmm. And in the sense that like, you know, places are just, like where things happen but like spaces have a whole other like context to them where it's like 
I'm in my office, but it's, you know, it's Stu's old bedroom. And it's just this room at the bottom of the stairs with no windows. Um, mm-hmm. But it takes different meaning for me than it would for anybody else who walked in this room. Because right. it's like a space, it's a personal space of mine. And and then it's also, there's another guy I really like, his name's Thomas A. Tweed. And he wrote mm-hmm. a book called Crossings and Dwelling. And he just talks about how like, you you start off dwelling somewhere. So you already are dwelling. So the first step you actually take in anything in life is to cross and then you dwell again. And you set yourself on a trajectory. You pick up different aspects of life from different people, which another scholar called actants. Mm-hmm. And that even goes into just, you know, an accent on this conversation that we're doing it through plugging it right now, Discord. <laughs> and mm-hmm. you know, I don't I didn't know anything about Discord before we had this conversation. Uh you right. and I just wanted to have a chat because we're old pals and we both have podcasts. And so anyways, uh what, what was I saying? <laughs> Weird. We were talking about signs and symbols. Yeah. Oh yeah. And it's just and then you think about the crossing and dwelling in terms of our friendship and you know, we mm-hmm. go back 10 years now, I believe. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Like at this time, 10 years ago, you and I would be starting like the profits in SBS. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Dude, it's so interesting because I don't, I, I don't talk about that time in my life very much in detail because there's no one in this area that, because it's not like a traditional college, right? So I can't be like, we had this and this. So it's like, and it, there's a part of me that wants to I just keep my ego in check and not be like, I went and studied the Bible in Asia. And like, just, I, I hate any sort of giving off that of that vibe. So I don't really talk about that time. So it's nice to like sit back and think about like being able to, because I remember this was something that we talked about in SBS was the idea of like, one other time in your life are you going to get and soak into the Bible like you do here? And, you know, for yeah. better or for worse, that, you know, if that time was, I mean, it was, it was fruitful. Um, but like, look, I actually found my old uh, charts the other day, which, you know, was our like homework and the projects we had to turn in. And, uh, and I'm like, I don't even know if I agree with half of this anymore. And, no. you know, I, I spent, you know, nine months of my life studying all this and emerging myself in it and there's something to be said about something very beautiful actually to be said about you know you because there was a time between then and now that was so hard for me because I had to let go of everything that I believed in in that time and then to to emerge where I am now and that's you know that's death and rebirth and of course it's painful but it's 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 good to know that I can you can lose everything that means anything to you. You can lose your deepest sense of purpose, and you can still rise up out of that. That's why I think that that's that's beautiful. Yeah, in a in another episode of my podcast, I talked to a friend about like needing to like retill your field. Mm. So like like farmers are supposed to like swap out what crop that grow in a field like every certain amount of years. And 
I, I'm going to go with seven because that sounds right in my head. Like every seven years you switch from yeah. corn to beans. And, you know, you and retilling is like a process to get your soil working again and like giving new life to new growth. And, you know, and it's the same, it is, it's that life and death, it's that crossing and dwelling. And it's, you know, you, you and your life are on a trajectory based on like everything that has come into your life and influenced you. You've had times to sit back now and be like, yeah, I've gone through my SBS charts um, maybe once in, in their entirety. And, you know, some of the notes that I got from those, I'm just like, yeah, I don't really know like why this encouraged the, my, what were they called? Checkers? Yeah. yeah. Check- People and, that would check our homework for us. Or, or like why they didn't like a certain way I interpreted something and it's like, yeah. You know, now, like I wouldn't have had an argument for a lot of the comments I got in my work back then, but 10 years later, and, you know, I have an associate's in biblical studies, I have an associate's in liberal studies, and I have a bachelor's in religious studies. And all I do is like read like the Bible, and I read other works of scripture, and I read books about them, and like I'm kind of forming my own Talmud. <laughs> Mm-hmm. commentary upon commentary of like right. my life and you know uh, and it's just taken me to such a place where like uh, I remember uh, a podcast that you were, you were a guest on that I listened to and you just talked about like it doesn't matter whether the person I'm talking to like believes in God or not like I can say that like for my purpose of study and getting to know Jesus, even if it is through just the text of the Bible, you know, mm-hmm. he's, he's made me a better person just based mm-hmm. on it. Yeah. And well, about to tell you that Jesus never existed. And, but you got, you have mm-hmm. to have that mindset talking to them. Right. So. Yeah. Because, and it's a story, right? So bringing it back to signs and symbols to some degree, like, yeah, it's all stuff that's just your, I once saw a meme that I really appreciated that uh, it said uh, staring at, staring at a, a reading is just staring at pieces of dead trees and hallucinating. And I thought about that with storytelling or uh, religious tales, whatever it is. Cause when you read the Bible, you know, like that's a book. So like you're doing the imagery in your head, right? So you have a, an image of what Jesus looks like, what Moses looks like. It's, you know, it doesn't have to be clear, but like there's still like something being, uh, there's a drama playing out in your head. And yeah. yeah, so you're, those things, like it, it doesn't, again, it doesn't matter if Jesus is, was real or whatnot, because you're, you, you are the one that's painting the picture of that individual. And that's yeah. the good thing about what I, I heard somewhere once, is, you know, the good thing about a good religious symbol is that it's able to hold the fullness of the human experience. Mm-hmm. So when, yeah. when you're projecting yourself onto this religious figure or you're, you know, you're telling yourself that story in your head and you're imagining what it looks like, you know, that individual, if it's a good religious figure, it'll be able to hold all the fullness of your experiences because in theory they have you know, manifested that they've lived it, they represent it, whatever you want to say. Yeah. 
No, absolutely. And like, that's why like one of the things I wanted to like kind of discuss with you, and I, I, I don't know if you're, uh, but, uh, encourages you to get the idea of the holy. Mm-hmm. I read up to chapter three. And did, have you read any? Oh, good. Good. Yeah. So then chapter you might track with. Mm-hmm. Chapter three was a doozy. That's what I'll say. Oh, oh yeah. Yeah. It really, uh, just wait until chapter four. <laughs> yeah. Well, even like I have a hard time reading the titles of uh, of the chapters. And I'm like, well, this is going to be a pain in the ass. <laughs> but oh, yeah. I mean, it's 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 yeah. worth it. There's gold in them words. Yeah. OK, so let's get back to this, uh, you know, Jesus. thing, Right. Mm-hmm. So you you said you're painting the picture Jesus is. And so this is why I like, I love how this book starts out. This is chapter one of, of uh, Idea of the Holy. Um, he says, it is essential to every theistic conception of God and most of all to the Christian that it designates and precisely characterizes deity by the attributes of spirit, reason, purpose, goodwill, supreme power, unity, selfhood. The nature of God is best thought of by analogy with the human nature of reason and personality, only whereas in ourselves we are aware of this is qualified by restriction and limitation, as applied to God the attributes we use are completed, i.e. thought thought as absolute and unqualified. Mm -hmm. That's just the start of this book, where he just gets into what you talked about with like, Symbols are merely symbols because they are constructs of how we are trying to convey something bigger than what it actually is. So like Mm -hmm. a stop sign you said earlier has laws behind it. It is. It's this red octagon that just says stop. Yeah, and it's nothing, right? Like it's... And it's nothing. Yeah. Yeah. It's just a piece of metal that's that's always bigger than you think it is. (laughs) Because it's that weird illusion of being in a car. But, uh, yeah, 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 and it's, I think, I, I just, I don't see how, and so I, what I would always say then, uh, to kind of further my point about, you know, it doesn't really matter if Jesus exists or not, but the fact that you and I are talking about him and he is a full story behind him and like, that makes him real, you know, to the degree, and that's why like, you know, when you're when you're talking to somebody who leans a towards atheism or or atheistic, you it's like well to say that God doesn't exist would even get rid of the idea that you and I are currently even discussing God. You know, so God exists. It's just at what level are we talking about? Is he an actual thing or is it just a narrative? You know, that's that's the and question. And that's why um, I've been getting into God is dead theology. Um, Mm -hmm. which which is, uh, you know, this is one of those things where it's like, you know, Jesus didn't make Christianity and John Calvin didn't make Calvinism. Mm -hmm. They just, they are, they are the subject of which ideas are built upon. And, uh, uh, so the God of dead theology was heavily influenced by Rudolf Otto, idea of the Holy, Paul Tillich, uh, you know, who wrote, uh, the way that, uh, okay, so Rudolf Otto talks about God as uh, that which is holy other. Uh, Paul Tillich talks about God as the ground of being. Um, 
And then, you know, we could say like Martin Boober, but I don't even, you know. It's, thou. I, I, <laughs> I, I am thou. Yeah. I am thou. And it's just, you can put so much into the idea of who God is, but at the end of the day, every idea that you have expressed to people is merely that it is an expression of who you think God is, and whether you not whether or not you think God exists doesn't really matter because you're going to build a construct of whether or not He does or does not exist. You're going to allow specific, uh, like you're going to have your own personal religion that will be influenced by religions, and then mm-hmm. it will be influenced by religious people. And when you break those three words down, they break down into even more because they each represent also the irreligious side, which is what Otto also says in Idea of the Holy about the rational and the non-rational and the irrational. Like, mm-hmm. those are three distinct words, but they all share the word rational. And so most concepts of God are just, especially when it comes to religions, most concepts of religious ideas they really are just painted pictures they are words of expression and they do influence you and it's not to say that they're right which is where Mm -hmm. for me like this is where christianity is just like absolutely wrong in the world is that they feel like they have the tight-knit like white knuckle grip on who god is and you know and there let's go back to ywam but like yeah ywam was an experience for better or for worse you know Um, and like here's here's what i always say about that is like you know there's i never met anyone in any of my church history for i would say you know 90 to 98 percent this is a a true statement that i've never seen anyone with malintent it's always it's always like because and this is what i say to everybody it's like listen if you truly believe that when you die, there's a chance that you could end up in eternal torment, then you're a psychopath by definition. Uh, if you are not a psychopath, you're um, no, maybe a psychopath. No, what is it uh, when you know what you're doing and you're pathological, then you're pathological. Yeah. <clears throat> and and um, probably a psychopath. <laughs> but yeah, so it's, it's like you have to understand that, the, like, again, like, Everyone has a, a worldview that they have built themselves. Right. And and they build it themselves through culture, through what their parents teach them, maybe, and you know, uh, definitely like inherited traits and beliefs. So, you know, those it's it's hard to break out of a worldview. I was just talking to somebody yesterday about how, you know, every ideology has a flaw within it, which is terrifying because then you don't right. know where to land. But you also, if you have that understanding, then you can continue to help your ideology or your worldview grow. So it's yeah. good to be able to hold both of those things. Yeah. And it goes back to, you know, life and death, crossings and dwellings and retilling your field. <laughs> right. Something go, Going back a little bit, I was thinking about something, something I've been thinking about just when we were talking about this is something that Alan Watts talks a lot about from Hinduism that, uh, you know, they have a saying that is the only thing that can truly be said about God is that it's not that it's not that. And that's, 
that's true, you know? And, and even when God gives his name and he says, I am that what I am, you know, yeah. what a, what a, I, I want to say a cocky answer to some degree of just like, listen, I, I just am what I am, you know, yeah. like you, you don't, you can't, you couldn't understand, you know, even if I gave you the whole thing, it, it wouldn't. And <laughs> to, to go off of that point uh, in the Bhagavad Gita, uh, it's a com this is a Hindu scripture between there's a it's a Hindu scripture of a conversation between Krishna and a man named Arjuna or Arjun. Oh, yeah. I forget I forget how to say his name. But at one point, you know, Krishna being the god avatar, he shows his universal universal form or his actual form to Arjuna, and that's where that uh, Oppenheimer quote of "Behold, I have become death, the destroyer of worlds" comes from, because that's the first thing that Krishna says when he turns into his universal form. Yeah. Anyways, Arjuna sees this and he goes, "Stop! Like I can't handle this. You need to go back to being my friend Krishna, because I can't. I can't. There's too much happening, and that's why we need a figure like Jesus or Krishna or Buddha or whatever it is to help us be that. You know, and the interim thing." And that's, you know, why they talk about Jesus as the mediator between us and God, because he is the figure that we go through in our psychological sense of this is how, oh, yeah. we, this is how we interpret this thing. It's how we transcend ourselves. Right. Yeah. Um, that kind of, that sounded very uh, Matthew Foxy to me, what you just said. <laughs> well, I, yeah. I, I read the first chapter of uh, On Becoming Musical Mystical Bear and... Uh, even just like the preface and the, I don't know, the editor's thing or whatever. Like I, I read from first page to uh, the end of chapter one and I'm very excited to finish the book. But Dude, anyone who's listening, I'm sorry to cut you off, buddy, but I would just highly recommend the book on becoming a musical mystical bear by Matthew Fox. It's what uh, the idea of the holy is to Mr. Dylan over there, that book is to me. It's life-changing. Yeah. Um, I told Kate the other day, if, if I, I, I broke down the book of Ecclesiastes to her not too long ago in hamburger form, <laughs> where I said, like, the first couple of verses of that book and the last couple of verses of that book are like the buns. And, mm -hmm. uh, and so... For me now, and again, keep in mind, I, I haven't put, I haven't finished on becoming a musical mystical bear, but I'm in the process of it, and so I haven't put the top bun on. It's the top mm -hmm. bun, but uh, I would put the bottom bun as the idea of the holy. Mm. And I have there's just there's so much that they like that is referenced in in Fox's book that. I've read already in uh, Otto's book. The Otto's right. book is also much older. And mm -hmm. I also like, uh, I think when I started in religious studies, I just like became very, very uh, frustrated with the church. And I was pissed off that I'd never heard of these people that we're talking about. Like right. I was only told about John Piper. And, you know, when we were in YWAM, one of the big guys was uh, uh, Mark Driscoll. Mark Driscoll, yep. And uh, well, uh, here's the thing, man. Did they know him, and did they understand him? Yeah, that's the that's other part. A, right. So, like, again, like, you can't be mad at these people because it's like they didn't. You know, I can't be. 
I, I do, I have had talks about people who say that they've had conversations, this is like second to third hand hearing things, but like yeah. that people knew of Thomas Merton, who was a great Catholic contemplator who did wonderful works in between Buddhist and uh, Catholic mm-hmm. theology. It was, it was beautiful stuff. Um, but then like did, you know, I don't, cause I, I remember like feeling the way that you just described of being like, I read this at one point and like, I was like, why didn't anyone tell me that this was out there? Yeah. But would, would I have been able to understand it? Yeah, there's, there's that. And then it's also, um, even if they, like, it also taught me though too. And like another issue I've been going through this year and wrestling with is just like my upbringing and it's, you know, and I've had this talk with my parents. I'm like, I'm not mad at you guys. Like, you did the best that you could for me in, like, what you thought should be, like, beneficial to my life. And I am very, like, just disdainful of, like, the small Christian school that I went to growing up because sure. I very much, uh, like, a few years, I think before I left for YWAM or right after I got back from YWAM, a friend of mine just said uh, that she she had transferred to a different school. Like, this new school like has taught me how to think, not what to think. Mm-hmm. And that's so like that's my that's my like Christian experience, which a lot of people uh, that I I'm dialoguing with through social media right now. They they have had that same kind of story in their storyline, and like they went to a specific denomination growing up, and maybe went to a uh, a private non denominational school that just tries to cater to everybody. And so there's a lot of people right now that are just like hurt by the church. There's people out there who are hurt by YWAM. There are people out there who are hurt by Mark Driscoll and. There, so there's just there's a lot of hurt, and but well, I've yeah. also just realizing so many people are just dealing with that in this time in such like different ways. But I also like it's also like a lot of people are coming out from the shadows of their doubt. Like they're, mm-hmm. they're like, I finally understand that I am allowed to doubt what I have been told. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and I think. I mean, for me, that was definitely the the catalyst that broke, it was the straw that broke the camp. Well, I mean, doubt, because in the worldview that we had, doubt wasn't, it was literally like, it was the opposite of salvation because it meant that you didn't truly believe or have faith in Jesus Christ. Yeah. And, and that, they use the, the doubting Thomas story to cater to that in much of the Christian upbringing. Right. And also, but now, like, I'm sure you feel the same way. It's like, I'm so in love with doubting because he got to touch Jesus. He got to touch the wounds. Yeah. And you can't beat that, you know? You can't. Um, Yeah, man. So I, (laughs) sorry. I met this guy. I was on tour last year up in uh, Buffalo. And I met this dude who's like just a, you know, it was a house show and we were just, you know, drinking people. There was a guy there on acid. There was people doing Coke in the bathroom, like just crazy kind of show. Yeah. And, um, 
I was talking to this kid and because the for those of you who don't know, I, I play music as churches and trains. And so he was asking me about that. And it turned out that he had like, you know, he had been raised in the church. He was a pastor's kid, I believe, and like ended up falling away. And he was at the stage of like, you know, I don't know if I believe in God anymore. I really want to, but like, I just don't. And I was like, well, listen, man, like, don't, it's, you're okay where you're at. And I don't think enough people really tell people that. Because when you, when your whole worldview falls apart, real, I mean, you want answers and whatnot, but really what you want to hear is you're okay. You know? And so for anyone out there whose worldview is falling apart, you're okay. It it happens. Like it's, it's so common. It's especially now, like you were saying, it's, I think it is almost the religious narrative of the time of what it means to be a, a, a Christ leaning spiritual person is I once was raised in a very fundamental, strict understanding of God. And I've, I'm in the process of breaking out of that. Yeah. Um, what was I going to say? Oh, this is also too something, uh, uh, with coming from like a better understanding of Hebrew than I had 10 years ago. Mm -hmm. Um, I can't remember. Oh, uh, I was always told growing up that, um, that the, the term Israelite just meant to wrestle with God. But mm-hmm. it turns out it more more implies to struggle and strive with God and man, mm-hmm. which makes sense if you kind of wrap certain theologies and doctrines around this. In that, like, okay, we are we are the image bearers. You know, Genesis says we were created in the image of God. Paul Paul Pauline epistles very much enforce like the imago dei. The, creation in God's image and you know and then you think of uh, something I did take away from YWAM was just like I read through um, all five five volumes of Francis Schaeffer's work mm. and and he very much talks about like if you truly recognize that like every single person you come in contact with if you if you if you take this interpretation out of, out of the Bible, out of the Old and New Testament about being the image of God. If you truly believe that we were created in the image of God, then every single person you come in contact with deserves to be treated as the image of God. And you have to think of if they are an image bearer of God, they, they, we carry God's spirit. What if we really were faced with God and going back to the Bhagavad Gita and even with like, uh, with Abraham and Moses and their encounters with God. And uh, I don't think Abraham ever, did Abraham see God? Is that ever mentioned in the Bible? I can't, I can't think of any particular story at the moment. <clears throat> yeah. But he, um, com- he, he talked with them. And that's a weird thing because I don't want to go too far off this because I want to stay on the, uh, the image yeah. of God thing. But um. Yeah, he just, he's never, as far as I can remember, he's never seen as like being like, except for the angels. He did have those three angels come up to him who, you know. Yeah, but the only reason I, because it's, you know, he's known as the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Mm -hmm. And and so they, I think they, like, Jacob, you know, says somewhere in Genesis that like he saw God. 
and mm-hmm. that you know, and then you jump forward to Moses, who saw him passing by, like saw the the edge of his robe or whatever. <laughs> whatever yeah, back end. I don't know how to speak into that. And and so yeah, you think of like people who actually encountered God in that in that relationship, uh, and you know. The, the guy from Bagada Vita says, hey, please stop. Like, right. I can't look at this. And right. Moses' face was a glow. And Right. And yeah, I mean, and also says in the Old Testament, like anyone who sees God will die, you know? Yeah. yeah. But, and, it, and it says that in the New Testament as well. Right. And so, dude, I'm so happy that you brought up uh, the Imago Dei, is Imago Dei, however you say it. Um, because I was literally just thinking about that this morning. Um, not really, maybe in, in conjunction with this, but I think I was just thinking about it. I was thinking about the verse where Jesus says, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And that's a, it's, a lot of Christian doctrine is brought out of that statement because we take it as him saying, I am God and, you know, I also that Jesus is the perfect embodiment of God. And I believe those to be true. I, those are true, true statements, but I, he's also the, what makes that um, even more blasphemy a statement is the fact that he's saying like, listen, I bear the image of God and so do you. And so does everyone else. And Jesus embodied that better than, your average person. That's why he's a deity and, and all those, that's why he's God. But, you know, it's like you're saying, it's not, you know, what if we really just perceived everyone with that same level of radiance and glory and holiness around them, you know? Yeah. God, I, I mean, just, just think about that for two seconds, what, what reality would look like, what society would look like if we saw everyone as, you know, the radiant light of God. Yeah, it would be a, it'd be a different change. Um, oh my gosh. But I, I also want to speak to too that like you and I talking about this is also going back to what we talked about earlier in our conversation is that like we have, we have each constructed our ideas about like what the Bible has told us about who God is, but we also have our own life experience. And, mm-hmm. and also going back to just talking about like, it really shouldn't matter when talking about God, if you're an atheist or a theist, what I, I guess something I'm trying to do with my life right now, like I, I've been trying to converse more with people who are going through a deconstruction and people who have, once been Christian and, and now are atheists and even just people who have always been atheists. I'm that is the realm of people I'm interested in. I want the, the doubting Christians and I want the people who don't believe in God at all. And and it doesn't just have to be Christians. It's like I want to talk with people of every religion who are in the doubting phase of like everything that they've known. And I don't want like my constructs that I bring to them to be like arguments of like bringing the conversation into a negative aspect where I'm trying to convert and prove them wrong about my ideas. And mm-hmm. I just want to have like real conversation with like people who are like willing to like listen and respond accordingly. And I, right. and I, and I found myself getting in trouble with this and talking to people on Instagram because you can't hear the inflection of my voice when I'm writing things out. 
And so when I'm like, when I'm describing to people like a concept out of the Bible that they're, they're using out of, like when I see like an, an atheist or a Christian, like a verse from the Bible just completely out of context to either prove that it is the inerrant word of God or that the Bible is just stupid and it's really dumb that anybody would associate, uh, you know, it's inerrancy to it. I right. I found that when I like share like my knowledge, everything that I've crossed and dwelled over and retilled and, and built up, it, when I'm sharing that and typing it out, people take it as like, I want to debate you. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I don't want to debate because I want to further like humanity towards a more pr- profound religion where I'm not like tearing down Christians or atheists or anybody for their specific beliefs. But okay. Writing- well, let me ask you this because I think it's a I think it's the question that you're trying you may be wrestling with whether you know it or not. But are we as a society making a new religion or f- forming a new story of reality and oh, a way to connect to it? I absolutely think so. Um, yeah, religions. Uh, <clears throat> So there's religions that are never going to die in concept. Christianity will probably never go away. Hinduism will probably never go away. But what could go away is specific denominations, specific sects. Um, Sorry, I have a retainer in my mouth, so it's really hard to say words like sects. That's fine. Sects, which you can talk about sex too, but... uh, Well, I'm not married. (laughs) um but those things might like fade away over time i mean you think about like christian history christians are not today what they were in the early days of christianity they didn't even they weren't even really called christians and no they were a jewish cult they were a jewish cult this jewish offshoot of what judaism was known to be and then people had something to say about it and it built uh, divides and walls. And that's why I like, uh, one of my favorite things is uh, uh, the Rabbi Hillel. Mm-hmm. You know? I'm not familiar. I think the Rabbi Hillel, uh, I think he was before Jesus' time. And so you could actually attribute like in, in within the... Uh, oh, right, the golden rule. The golden rule. You could, you could more attribute yeah. it to him. Um, mm-hmm. But he was asked to, by a student, to stand on one foot and explain the whole Torah. And his, he, so he stood on one foot and he just said, uh, what you find detestable, don't do to your neighbor. Everything else mm. is commentary. Go out and be kind. Wow. Wow. That's and, great. And, yeah. And that's like a, you know, that's a translation, obviously. Um, sure. I've, I've heard it said a few different ways, but that's how I think I've kind of construed it to be. But it really is. It's just like, whatever I don't want to be done to people, I don't want to, I don't like, I don't want people to feel bad for their religion of choice. I don't want people to feel bad for their, uh, for their gender identity or their sexual orientation or, uh, just their political stance or whatever. I don't want people to feel bad about it. Mm-hmm. I want people to like, set aside those differences within them and be like, what do I have in common 
with this person sitting across the table from me. Right. What can we talk about? You know, we could take a swing at it and talk about baseball. See what I mm-hmm. did there? <laughs> nice. I swear, I, oh, you, you're so crafty. Well, here's, here's what I think. <laughs> I, I, I'm very interested in, this is something else I was thinking about today. It's like, well, am I interested in religion or am I interested in psychology? And what is the difference between those two things? But for me, I'm, I'm very curious as how people interpret the world and how people experience the world. Oh, yeah. So I, yeah, I just, you know, that's why I'm so, I'm, I'm, I'm curious about people's experiences with what we would call God or, oh, yeah. or just life itself. You know, like, do you feel like just making sure that we're all on the same page? You know, yeah. of being like, do you feel like this? Because I feel like this. It looks like this. Am I wrong? You know? Well, that's, you know, that's what marriage to Kate is with me. Me and Kate, yeah. like, have those discussions about, like, we might be coming at this from, you know, different experiences on, like, you know, one of our kids asking us for a sandwich or whatever. Like, we might have interpreted it differently, and we both end up not making the sandwich because, because, we were both in earshot and it wasn't directed at mommy or daddy. And right. And it changes the dynamic of the whole family because all of a sudden you have a kid who's hungry and mom and dad both put it on the other person. It's like, Oh, I'm sorry. Like I thought you were doing it. But a lot of times like our, our initial response as humans is to get defensive and defend why I didn't feel the need that it was my responsibility. And, and instead of being like, I'm sorry, like, I I didn't mean to make you feel bad because, you know, you didn't make the sandwich. I just didn't know I was the one that was supposed to be making the sandwich. <laughs> right, yeah. And that's, that's, a, that's a perfect, it's a, it's a, it's, because I, I have the same thing with my uh, girlfriend. Like, we'll be like, you know, she'll say something and I'll like, quick to be defending. And I'm just like, why am I defending this? Like, and it's, I think that's a healthy perspective to be able to have, to be able to see that the fact that you're doing that, that you're like, Oh, I'm trying to put up a guard, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. And yeah. And I, I, when it comes to religion and all those things, you know, it's, it's so personal. And I like, even for, even for people who are, you know, and I wonder if it's just because of the culture or because of the topic, but people who are atheistic are usually, you know, not, let's say nine out of 10 or seven out of 10, somewhere in that area of like, there's usually a little bit of like hurt and anger behind it. And understandably so, because it's, it's oh, yeah. usually, it's usually people that they don't believe in, not a higher power. Yeah. And that's, you know, that's, that's the downfall of religion. I'm actually working on a series, um, where I want to explore Anakin Skywalker's religion just because he goes from like this innocent little boy to top class Jedi to badass Sith Lord. And by the time he dies, you know, he's looking at his, his son face to face and he's probably just having this, you know, well, what we'll get into more if we keep discussing Otto, the newest experience. Mm-hmm. There is some sort of like connection that is beyond me, beyond words, that is happening right now. And 
so many people uh, choose to look at those experiences theistically or they choose to look at them atheistically. And, you know, and I don't have a problem with, you know, either. Um, but a lot of times people who would claim theism are so irrationally fanatical about their theism that it just sounds mm -hmm. stupid. And then on the other side, Ooh, yeah, with, with atheists, it's like, oh, it's all just science. You know, mm -hmm. and it's like, yeah, yeah, it is science. Like there is so many chemical reactions going on inside our bodies when, you know, you're having a good conversation with your buddy or, you know, kissing your girlfriend right. or your wife or hanging out with your kids, uh, mm -hmm. you know, your best friend for the first time. Like all these things, like everybody interprets differently and it will, it will play in on your, you know, your starting worldview of does God exist or does he not exist? But right. those experiences are common, are common across the board to all people. And that's, why the book is called the idea of the holy is because like what the fuck is the idea of the holy mm -hmm. like, you know you can you can dig into kadosh all you want the hebrew word and it's mostly used for it um you know like the whole thing of leviticus is uh you know uh to be to be separate or uh different from from the other and that's built yeah. this whole earth ideology where we just like oh I can't associate with an atheist because they don't believe what I believe and right. that's not the intention behind what is viewed as scripture like it, overall and mm -hmm. and so and so then you have you know now we're bringing in the holy bible what is the holy bible why is it holy who said it was holy um, right. and you just I don't know I I'm just always pushing back against those things because I don't want those to be the things that like muddy the water between me and another human being. I want to be mm -hmm. able to embrace people for who they are and um, be able to converse with them on like a level of which I can understand. And if they like say things that I might not agree with or believe, I don't want to like hold that against them. Like I'd rather be like, why do you believe this? Right. And figure out that. Yeah, and like you know, there, there, there doesn't have to be. Because I, I remember, I was just having a conversation with somebody. I won't say who because just to keep identity safe. And you know, they were belittling me for my current beliefs at the time. And this was during, I would say, early deconstruction. Kind of just being like, you know. I vaguely believe in God, and if I did believe in God, I would want it to look something like this because I don't think that this thing holds up. And you know, he was just laughing at me, and even just belittled me being a missionary and all that stuff. Um, and I was saying, like, listen, the right now there's a hostility between us, and it's only because of what we believe in here. You know, like it's not. It's, I'm like, I can reach out and touch you, but like you're putting up this wall because of internal dialogues that you cling yeah. to. And that's, that Which was really also, discouraging. Yeah. That's hmm. also getting into the I and vow that Martin Buber talks about. Right. It's like, you're, like, yeah. You have, you have your internal you. Mm -hmm. like, 
you're always monologuing in your head to yourself, but it be, appears to be a dialogue because you have your inner self and your outer self. Right. Yeah. And I mean, I've been thinking about this because I've been trying to work on a just, you know, we're in this terrible predicament because society says that anyone who hears voice heads insane, but yet we continually dialogue with our inner inner self. We're, or even like, you know, there's a part of me that, and Paul says this in the Bible, it's like there's a part of me that does, that wants to do what I don't want to do. And there's a part of me that doesn't want to do those things. Yeah. And it's just like, well, what, what the hell is that? And every, I would assume from just from my perspective and who I've talked to that everyone struggles with that to some degree. And that's, if that's not hearing voices in your head, then I don't know what is, you know? Um, So it's, it's, I think in our modern society and, you know, rationalism and, and all that stuff is sort of to blame for this. But the fact that we're like, you know, we're only, we're only going to see off of, we're only going to, to, we're only going to base reality off of what we can see and what we know and what we can touch. And that's the same problem that that individual had when we were having the conversation is like, well, like, you know, the Bible says this, so I, I cling to it. I trust it. It's like, well, like, no, it's, there's more than that. It's, and this is what I was really looking for in your book, because this is where the idea of the holy that you recommended to me, because this is something that I really took away from Thomas Merton was it's about the experience. It doesn't matter if the, you know, Thomas Merton has this quote and I'm going to butcher it, but it's like, it doesn't matter if the theological worldviews are worlds apart. It, what matters is that the lived experience is the same. So that's, that's what I'm curious about. Like, you know, do, when I say like a religious experience to someone, do they have the same idea of what I do? Or the problem is, is that I, that word is such a theological word that I feel like your layman doesn't understand that. I feel well, like they would understand. There's going to be my pushback on that is that um, words like religion, religions and religious are all treated as theological words. And they are mm-hmm. not, they are not theological words. They are, they are anthropological words. They are mm-hmm. sociological words. Um, things that derive out of religion are things such as theology things such as religions, things such as doctrines, things such as uh, these immaculate stories that have like, you know, that are trying to get at that lived experience that is the same, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and so that's, that's like a wall I'm trying to tear down with, uh, with my Instagram account, which, uh, Go ahead know, and plug it. It's not going so well, but you know, it's, it's the mad, it's magic thinker. And I really am. I'm just trying to think over everything that Tim and I are talking about. Like I am processing this stuff continuously and I'm always just so stuck in my head about it. And you know, one of our, one of Stu and I's original ideas for this podcast was just to call it overthinking with Mark. <laughs> yeah. And and so I'm, I really am. I'm trying to take a very critical, like objective approach to all things having to do with the word religion and what extends out of that. And, mm. uh, and like, uh, probably my, uh, my IG best friend, 
I, I don't know. She might she might not like me calling her this. I'm not going to mention who it is. Um, but she's an atheist, and her and I definitely got off on the wrong foot. Mm-hmm. Um, but now we actually have like a good dialogue going on because I uh, I really was trying to. I wasn't. I I didn't feel that I was trying to like push my ideas on anybody. I was just trying to like from my studies. Um, this is what I have discovered. And like, for me, atheism fits under the definition of religion. Mm-hmm. And that's really hard. And this is what I found out through her is that like, for a lot of people who are atheists and have had this like negative church experience, which I have had a negative church experience as well. I have still just remained a theist for, mm-hmm. for me more, more, it's more than reasons than being a, a Christian. Like I'm really even struggling with being called a Christian right now. Like that's where my identity issue is right now. Like I've, I've, uh, I've sure. left, I've put, I've put church in the rear view mirror. So I right. just, you know, and, well, but, but for the atheists, it's like when they hear the word religion, they immediately think Christianity and mm-hmm. the, all the, the baggage that came with that. And, so I'm really trying to just, you know, pull these things apart and bring them yeah. in a new light because I really do believe that at the base core of all of us, we just want to connect. We want, we do want to be, you know, those good ideals, ideals, all those good morals that we all talk about, about just loving your neighbor and mm-hmm. uh, not harming people, you know, right. and, and, but it's hard to do because then you think on the bigger scale, the bigger picture of everything that's going on, not everybody is in the same boat, you know, like, yeah, like people got onto a different life raft and the ship sank and they went in different degrees away from that sinking ship. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's easier to connect with the people that you've, you've got in the boat with. And but eventually, right. you start wanting to be like, so where are the others? Are the others okay? <laughs> and I want to check. <laughs> I want to check in. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And this, so this is why I asked that question earlier about you know, are we as a society, you know, forming a new mythos of the world or religion, a pantheon, whatever? Because I'm I'm curious about the. The move from monotheism to, um, no, not uh, pan- pantheism to monotheism, and then from monotheism into atheism and technological advancement in reason. And also because Nietzsche's claim when he declared God dead, you know, it, that that still resonates with people on both, like, we don't really have to go into what that means, but, you know, atheists understand that. I think there's something to be said about, like, Christians like you and I or spiritual people like you and I that understand that, like, there's something so much bigger than the word God, you know? And so, but Nietzsche, he also claimed that... And I don't know if this is true or not, but he says that we have to create our own value. Eventually, like this is the idea of the Superman. This is what he says: is like you have to create your own values. You have to be your own religious figure. Yeah. And so I, 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 
I wonder if that's where we're heading because everyone's becoming more tolerant of people seeing that within themselves. Does that yeah. make sense? Uh, and yes. <laughs> so, like, let's okay. So, let's say pantheism started out as the idea of like there's there's a bunch of gods. We ha like there's and also gods are representative of people's interpretation of reality, right? Yeah. So you have there's so many powers that there's so many things at play for me to understand it. I need to spread it out so far. But then a move from pantheism to monotheism was a move from, okay, so reality is becoming less and less complex. So therefore we can kind of get rid of the lower gods, you know, for lack yeah. of a better term, the gods that represent wind and whatever. We can just kind of be like, well, there's all one God. And he does it all. Um, and then now there's this move of like, well, no, God isn't out there, you know, because that's what that's usually when you talk to an atheist. One of the first things they say is, is like, well, what you believe that there's a man in the clouds, you know, like so. And those people did <laughs> like just because of the world. Yeah. Like and so like there's like and Carl Jung says this is like we use the words that we use for a reason. And so when an atheist, the first thing that they say is, oh, what do you believe in a man in a cloud? It's because they understand that for years, for centuries, for like forever, people believed that there was like on the other side of the firmament was the heavens. And, yeah. and it's like, we're, like when you get into, when you get into like the Genesis story, like the first chapter and how that mm -hmm. all unfolds. When people are reading it today in an English translation, whether it's a good or bad translation, are going to read it with the concepts and ideas of which the words they are reading were constructed around their worldview. And so, uh, I just I did uh, posted about Genesis one one on the Mad Thinker account, and uh, I just thought like I just tried to use like the keywords there and just kind of like lay out like. You know, it doesn't, not everybody believes it should start out in the beginning God. Some people believe it should be uh, when God began to create, mm -hmm. which gives it more of a once upon a time feel. And hey. um, yeah. you get into like those words, heavens and earth, and like the separation between the waters. And it's like, they weren't thinking like, you know, rain clouds up above and like, you know, the water at sea level. And mm -hmm. They weren't thinking like earth in the sense of a big round globe. They were thinking dirt. And when they were thinking right. heavens, they were just thinking everything that is up there that we can't reach. Right. You know, they had no yeah. idea that like there were different planets. They didn't have idea of like how far away the sun was and how hot it actually is. And, um, right. And so, yeah, like pantheism, pantheism, uh, it did. It, it existed because it was it was things about the elements of their situation of life that they did not understand. It was a power they could not understand, so they named it a god. And then also going through the book of Genesis, like whenever there's a different name of God being used, it is one of those gods that is being mm -hmm. talked about. God of you know wind, the god of the mountain, like you know, like right. that's what's being communicated in Genesis. But it's all been dubbed God and Lord whenever right. it's Yahweh. Right. Yeah, well that's that's what I'm curious about is that transition. Um and it becoming more and more central to the individual. Um 
and not just to the individual, but the every individual. Like, you yeah. know, it's not just, and even because you look at our societies, we're becoming more and more about the corporate rather than um, just the individual, you know, um, which is a big thing in the West. And even in Asia, they, they're so, I don't know, they're, they're, they're very group-based as well. But it's still, a, it's different. There's still hierarchies within that. And I feel like we're trying to knock those down and breaking down hierarchies as well in some degree is getting rid of, you know, the, the different gods. Yeah, you're right. So I'm, I'm very curious as to where we're going. Um, and you there's... alone. <laughs> huh? I mean, said you, you and I or, or the <laughs> world? <laughs> Uh, the society, the world, because yeah. I, <coughs> I definitely think Christianity. Is dying. I, I, <laughs> I, I think I'll say, uh, I'll say, evangelical Christianity definitely is. Um, yeah, I think it's. I think it's going through a major reformation. That it's 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 either going to kill it or it's going to birth a phoenix. Which in the history of Christianity is not a new thing for there to be a no. reformation. Right. Especially because we were born out of a reformation, you know? So like theoretically, see, here's the thing, man. Like I remember at one point thinking like, did Christian, how did, how did, you know, Jesus was zero AD, 30 AD. We in modern, or the reformation was 1500. So it's like, did they not get it right for 1500 years? Like, did no one understand it? And then John Calvin knocked it out of the park? Like, no, of course not. And then it's like, well, fuck, how far off are we? You know? Like, so it's, I think... The, the layers of... Um, the layers of uh, translation and written language. Mm -hmm. I mean, so I guess the, the easiest example is like the word logos in John 1.1. 1, 1. There's like 31 pages of Greek translation dedicated to that word alone. Right. And, it's, you know, it's not a Christian word. It's not a Christian word. And then that's also where we develop the idea of the word of God being the Bible. And, you know, I, I, uh, I don't know where you are on this, but like, I do not believe in the inerrancy of God. I do not believe that God wrote the Bible. Like, I believe that people who are inspired by their relationship with God penned it. And, mm -hmm. and well, here's you know, where I'll, here's what I'll say to that. And this will be a little bit of a pushback, not so much, but what I'll say is I think God's doing everything. I think God is everything that's happening and everything that's, you know, if, if it's participating in with being, then it's rooted in God and it is God because it's, it's connected to that. And so yeah. when I think about the Bible being, you know, was it written by God? Well, it's like, yeah, of course it was. But this building I'm looking at across the street was also built by God. So the, Which also go back into the Imago Dei. <laughs> right, yeah. And yeah. So I guess for me, it's like, well, there's different levels of, and this is, a, you know, going back to the idea of the holy, is that there's different levels of being able to see the sacredness of God, which is, Sat, everything is saturated with there's different ways to be able to tap into that and to be able yeah. to connect with that and for some reason we are very it is very easy for us when we're doing that it's either nature or 
moving stories or songs, art, drama. These right. things are all things that connect us back to God um, and back to our truest form or the truest aspects of ourself um, that Omega Day, you know? And I, yeah. I, there's a book that Matthew Fox also wrote called um, The Coming of the Cosmic Christ. Which oh, yeah. I would recommend, but it's, it's incredibly thick. Um, I, he, I, I did not put that together that, there, that that was the same guy. Yeah. <laughs> Have you read it? Uh, it's, it gets talked about in uh, like some religious studies courses. Right, yeah. Well, it's, a, it's, a beautiful, it's a beautiful concept that can be summed up in when Jesus re- talks about his return that it's not a bodily thing, but it's a consciousness thing that all human species or all human beings, the entire species gets to a level of Christ consciousness. And that is the return of Christ because it is the predominant energy of the world. Yeah. And so that's, that's, that's the movement forward that I see within society. And, you know, Christ you know, cause, and if Christ is an archetype for where we're going, if we're all going to that thing is, you know, Jesus had his own stories, but what was most important for him was that he did have his connection with God. You know, this was something that we did get from YWAM or just church in general is like Jesus made sure that he spent time finding that within himself, doing the religious things that brought out his highest self, connected him to God, whatever language you want to use. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, so I guess just knowing like the story too of Jesus is, um, you know, we mostly only know that through the four gospels, and then there's been various other uh, non-canon uh, books that have come out about the life, of, you know, the Gospel of Thomas. Recently, mm-hmm. there's been the Gospel of Judas was uncovered and translated, I think, and sure. So there's this, you know, who knows if there's more out there buried somewhere out in the in this area and, but the thing like one of the things too that I've had to accept about like a difference from the SBS YWAM days of Bible study was like even though they were teaching me how to think more critically about approaching the Bible with like the inductive study method mm-hmm. um, they didn't realize how great of a tool they actually gave me in doing that but I also realized I've kind of sift away at like I don't know if I believe like the dates that we claim to have written in our BRIs and like the authorship right. you know and and so uh, what's the guy who uh, he's really famous with like breaking apart the Bible he's an atheist but uh, Bert Ehrman or Bart Ehrman or Brett Ehrman it's a, it's a, not ringing any bells I can't remember his name, but he just—he has quite a few books that are like they're big pushbacks, and like this is—he loves the Bible, as far as I can tell. He loves reading it, and I think he might even like might love the religion aspect of it. But I think he's just an atheist, and but he does kind of expose like a whole other side of academic thinking, an academic approach to the Bible, and there are arguments against the Bible that you will never hear in like the church setting or the theological seminary setting or the um, YWAM setting. And yeah. it's just stuff about like, did Paul really write all of his letters? 
You know, yeah. there's 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 differences when you look at the Greek of uh, some of the some of those epistles. The sentence structures is completely different. Uh, but then there's also the argument that like uh, you know Paul was said to be blind and that he had somebody that he he or he he spoke to he spoke right. aloud to. Well, did Paul even know how to write? Because then yeah. it's like somebody else. Because I mean, I. Yeah, and <clears throat> this goes back to my point about Jesus is it doesn't matter, you know? Like, that's what I come back to is like, you know, and there's even like some forms of Catholic thinking that's like, well, John of Revelation, John from the Gospel of John, and, and it's like, yeah, but why does this matter? Like, let's take, let's just say it's one dude writing to some other group of people. Like, let's just take what he's trying to say in the context of their situation and see how we can apply it to our lives. Like it's, it's wisdom, right? Like it's Paul, I think is he, what he's trying to give anybody is like, here, I want to show you how to be wise, you know, like I want to show you how to move forward in your life in a healthy, beneficial way. Yeah. Yeah. And so I think that's easy for people like you and I to kind of get over that, like, why does it matter hurdle? Sure. That's true. But a lot of people really do like struggle with that. And there's, you know, the hatred of the Bible for a lot of people is just as equal like to the hatred of the church. And, um, and so they just, they don't have that worldview. They, um, I love this word. Stu's heard me say this a lot. Uh, phenomenology. Have you ever dug into phenomenology? Yeah, of course. Yeah. So, and it goes back to the early part of the conversation too. It's just, it's those actions, it's those perspectives that you gain throughout life. And based on like how people uh, experience, had their religious experience with the church, or even if they didn't go to the church, but like how to went to church and I like, hated it and they was like, yeah, my friend grew up in the church and it was awful for them. So I just never got into it. Like everybody is just going to have a different perspective and people are going to, some people are going to want to watch like the world burn essentially and sense of let's just tear the Bible down completely and reveal how stupid it is. And then there's yeah. people are going to, like do the exact opposite. You're like, look how brilliantly wonderful and fluffy this is. It God's mm -hmm. words through a person's hands and, and yeah. you know, all these attributions to specific people in Christian history of who wrote it and uh, you know it's just that stuff like it really doesn't matter at the end of the day because each and every single one of those things that are included in the whole Christian Bible everything that is included in the Hebrew scriptures the Tanakh everything that's listed in Buddhist scriptures, Hindu scriptures, all the scriptures of all the religions, it is all pointing back at something that is beyond what they represent in themselves. Right. And, another, and another issue that I really take up with Christianity, especially like the evangelical side, and I feel like I also saw this a lot in YWAM, is the elevation of the Bible to Jesus. Mm -hmm. And, and even, even at that, like that, you know, Jesus, Jesus is God. According, you know, um, I, I say this according to Christian Christianity. Right. Uh, some of my listeners listeners are not Christian, so I want to be fair sure. the way I work things. And um, 
the Bible is not God. It is, and like people also say, like the Bible is the final authority, and it's like no, the Bible is not the final authority. Jesus, mm-hmm. final authority, right for the Christian, and then for the Christian, and and even in that, it's just like what do you mean when you are talking about Jesus? And this gets back mm-hmm. into what we talked about earlier with like how we hear words and how we translate them in our minds and uh, just the definitions that we have built and the usage around us. And that's where we're getting into. It doesn't, it doesn't matter. Like the point is, is that there's something much bigger going on that no human will be able to put their thumb down on and be like, I figured this out. I have solved this riddle of God. Mm-hmm. I have solved this riddle of religion. Like it's right. not, it's not going to happen. Right. But yet we continued to try to do it is the irony of it all. Right. I said this to somebody one time, like, you know, any, any person that's had any true connection with God will learn that it's, it just, it's about loving your neighbor. And it's funny because I feel like I do all this, like, you know, I read all these books. I spend all this time praying and meditating and doing all this shit. And then like, when I meet the beloved, it's just like, how are you doing on loving? And it's just like, ah, I should probably just focus on doing that. And like, yeah. instead of trying to climb this mountain so much, cause that's, that's what Jesus was trying to say. Like, listen, if you're looking for the kingdom of God, it's right here. Like it's in this, it's in this conversation. It's in how you perceive reality. Like, yeah. and this is a big thing that I took away from on becoming a, a musical mystical bear is you're, you interact with reality. And, you know, what is God if he is not reality or ultimate reality? It's, it's, you're interacting with this thing that we're stuck in, you know, and, and it's how do you move through that, right? So that's even what philosophy is, is like, is philosophy is the study of life or how, how one should live life. And it's, well, that's, that's why religion, that's getting into like, hmm? the, the, it's getting into the, the Tillian idea of, uh, ultimate concern. Mm, mm-hmm. That's like what talks about a lot is like, uh, I, I think he, he calls God the ground of being. So faith in, in that would be ultimate concern. And we are all ultimately concerned about something. And, you know, you talked about love and like, are you loving today? Are you, practicing that like are you actually doing it not just in theory and that is not something that is essential uh, that is like dialed into one specific belief that is like humanity at its core is you want to love something and you want to love somebody and you know this is why i think like the music of like the 60s and 70s was so revolutionary to america because you have the beatles coming over from england to have, you know, based on their fame, were able to have different life experiences. And they wrote songs, you know, like, All You Need Is Love. Um, mm-hmm. And then, you know, one of my favorite songs is Little Help From My Friends, you know, and it's just like, I just want somebody to love. Can it be anybody? I just want somebody to love. And right. this concept, that is not something, it probably was built out of them a little bit, by Christianity, like there's the, the the four Beatles, their stories are very different, but they probably still had 
the the Catholic schoolboy influence or whatever it was for them. And and then they grew up, traveled India, had India experiences with Hinduism. They got to know some brilliant like professors of college universities and started doing acid and had those experiences. And like everything, like they you know, the whole takeaway for the Beatles, they they just wanted people to like love and like get beyond differences. But they did, they did have a lot of pushback. I mean, John Lennon ended up writing, you know, his whole album that had the song God and like talks about God as a concept, which the song isn't wrong. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. He very much is painting out like God is a construct in which uh, you know man has developed, and each and every single man and woman uh, humankind has developed their idea of god and but he also goes as far as his to just say like he doesn't believe in any of these like concepts of god from religion but he does believe in himself and yoko mm-hmm. and, and that gets it back into martin buber saying you know uh the world is not comprehensible but it is embraceable through right. another one that's human beings and right. that's that's essentially what it comes down to you know so like fuck your personal religion like set it aside Mm -hmm. like to like go beyond yourself and try to understand somebody else's personal religion and you know it's also why i think like that that rem song losing my religion is so brilliant because you have to let go of your preconceived concepts of what religion is and what it means to other people because everybody has a religious experience everybody has the ultimate luminous experience with things they don't understand and mm-hmm. i believe this is like this this more profound religion as i call it and you're saying you know as a society are we developing a new religion like absolutely we are and it's going to take a lot of work and a lot of people from different areas and walks of life are going to have a hand in it. And mm-hmm. it might be our children's children that are like living in this new era of like everybody's able to like love in some uh, in some greater capacity right. as a whole. And at least that's the hope. Right. That's, that's you know that's the Western ideology of religion of like this is how it should be, right? Where Eastern religion says this is this is just how it is, yeah. right? Yeah. Well, hey, I gotta head out soon. So, anything you want to hit on before I head out? No, this is probably a good time to cut it, man. But All right. Well, how, how can? <laughs> no, it's definitely not. I'm def- I want to do more of these crossovers. So how can my people find you? Uh, you can find me on Instagram as at the Mad, Mad the Thinker. Um, here's my reveal as to what that means. Uh, Mad, as Tim probably knows, is my initials. <laughs> <laughs> I still have you in my phone as Ace. Yeah. From, I don't, because I, yeah, I forget. Oh, because I wanted your middle name for A to be Ace, but it wasn't. It's Alan? It's Alan, yeah. Mark oh, Alan. Yeah. I did it. Um, but, but yeah, so you can find me at Mad the Thinker, um, where I'm really just getting started with that. Um, and then this podcast for on my side of this podcast is Looming in the Numinous, and we are on Spotify and Apple. And uh, if there's any other platforms, Stu and I will make sure that you guys can find it. 
Mm-hmm. And uh, and now uh, back to you, Tim. How can my listeners find you? Well, I am on. So the name of my podcast is Hyrith and Other Words. Hyrith is a Welsh word for it means to be homesick for a place you've never been. Um, and I thought that that was fitting. So uh, you can find me on Instagram at Hyrith and Other Words. Uh, that'll be linked in the description because that word's a bitch to spell. Um, and also, I'm going to plug my music like I already did. Check me out at Churches and Trains on Bandcamp or on Instagram or wherever. Um, but yeah, like you said, this is definitely not going to be the last of these conversations. Yeah, I'm. I'm very much looking forward to more of them. We should Next time, maybe we'll just talk about. Uh, maybe we ha- we should do just one episode about uh, s- like Star Wars or superheroes. Oh yeah, we should. We'll get into yeah. that. Right, yeah, but man. then we're just gonna fall back into this stuff. All right. Well, thanks so much for this, man. I appreciate it. it it's all awesome. Yeah, dude. I love you. Can't wait to talk to you again. And I love everybody you too. enjoy this. Tim's been waiting years for me to say that to him. <laughs> <laughs> it's very sweet, especially to do it in public. You're you're growing so much. I'm so proud of my little boy. Yeah, Tim. Tim always your beard looks to, exactly the same. By the way, uh, you look like yeah. it's it's I, the same I, Mark Dillon beard. <laughs> yeah, it, I'm still working on growing it in on. on <laughs> It's okay, I still can't grow one. And I'm 30, so it's not going to happen. 